I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, picking back up with our discussion of time and blocking time and tracking time and figuring out how time unfolds for you. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters podcast. Welcome back. I'm Amy, and this is episode 310, which no doubt will bother me because it's out of order now. But this is 310, blocking time. We called the last one mapping time, and these are all part of a series, but so that we can keep them straight, we'll call this blocking time. So welcome back. I don't usually split things up, but I was worried that show was going to be too long and unwieldy and hard to manage. And I actually think when these shows are really long, I lose you guys midway. So I guess just cutting it off spur the minute like that is one way to do it probably not the most graceful way. So I apologize. But same span of time that I'm sitting here and recording. And I want to talk through the next part of this, which is the actual blocking of time. And as I mentioned last time, there may be another part. We'll see how long this first part goes, because there is a third part to this, which is about tracking and planning moving forward. So that might be the next show. All right. So no real intro today. I already gave you my intro. I gave you my intro about finding my rooster timer covered in dust. That's in the last show. So definitely this is a set you want to hear together. If you missed 308, go back and listen to that one first. That really is the precursor and the intro for this show. So a couple of shows ago, when I first started talking about time and said, okay, I'm going to put all this off, talk about it later. I said something along the lines of there are two realities at play in our ability to get things done. One, how efficient and focused we are. And two, how long things actually take. And those two realities are important to acknowledge. There are only so many hours in the day. Really, there are only so many hours. You know this. Only so many hours. And in truth, most of us while away bits and pieces of hours and dribs and drabs, and they just kind of vanish. And that can be important. There's some of that just being and some of that wasting time that is important and can be helpful. But understanding the overall, how we're really using time can make a big difference, I think, in our own satisfaction and our happiness and our ability to make plans and set goals and work on projects in a way that makes sense. Set our expectations appropriately, our expectations of ourselves. The only way to do that is to really understand your own picture of time. It can make a huge difference. And then mapping your time moving forward can help you better understand and plan your days, can give you the tool you need to make changes shuffle things around in some cases, change up a sliver of time here or there to accommodate something else. All of that's possible maybe after you first map time and picture your time. If you are feeling stressed or frustrated with how much time you are managing for creative projects, it can be a really good exercise to block out the day in hours or half hours. If you work, 
then you may have a set of routine days. I do. Five days a week, my time is incredibly set. It's routine. There are key markers that happen every day at the same time, and they provide the structure of my days. So even though I want to do four or five different creative things and fit them into every day, I've really come to understand that I can't. I can't manage all of that. And not being able to manage all of that isn't totally or simply a problem with lack of focus or a problem with wasting time. Sure, that I downloaded a game the other day to help one of my kids sort out a username issue, and it's a game that I know is addictive for me. Yeah, that has led me to waste time, for sure. I need to delete it. I really do. I'm wasting time out of the little pool of time that is mine to divvy up. But partly I'm okay with that now and again. I enjoy it. It's a diversion, just for right now. I can stop. I know. I know I can stop. But I also enjoy and value my creative time. Obviously, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here talking to you. And I'm talking to you in time that I could spend drawing or that I could spend actually doing some collage and some gluing or drawing that rooster timer. So let's do this as an exercise. I'm going to talk mine out loud as an example. And you can jot yours into your journal or on the back of a receipt, pull out an envelope, pull something out of the recycling bin, whatever is handy. This isn't about art. This is just a quick stop and take measure moment. What does time really look like for you in an average day? Most people complain about time. They complain that they're too busy or they can't fit things in. They're not enough hours in the day. People probably complain about time as much as they do about money. And I think we all know that our lives are apples and oranges. Your busy may not look like mine. Both can feel and can be busy. This isn't a comparison. Comparisons just don't work for me. They make me unhappy. I think comparisons can be really, really not a good road to travel. I have to keep things focused just on my day and what I can do in order to really appreciate and value what I am managing and figure out if there are ways I can change anything. Your time blocks won't work for me. And that's what you should do too. You have to get a sense of you and your time. So draw a vertical line. That represents your average weekday or your work day. If you don't work, if you're retired or you just don't work, and there is no distinction for you between week and weekend, then it doesn't matter. This will just be an average day. So you'll just have this line. In the abstract, this line really starts at zero or 12 and ends at 12, midnight on each end. Start and end of a calendar day. For simplicity, I start my timeline at the time that I wake up. That leaves me more space to really look at the rest of the day and I'm not tracking sleep. So if you're tracking sleep, then you might want to visualize the whole day. Start the line at midnight and block in your sleep at both ends of your timeline. If tracking sleep is not a huge priority right now, you may want to start with your typical wake time on your line, and that's what I'm doing. So think about your typical sleep-wake time. How many hours does that amount to out of a day? Obviously, you want to subtract that from 24. So that's your available time. For me, that leaves 17 and a half hours on a good day. Sometimes it might be 18. But I've been very tired lately. So I'm going to go with 17.5 as I talk through this. So figure out your available time and draw your line. Draw a little line that shows your wake time, your start and end, your average sleep time. 
To do this exercise, you won't need to break up the line into measured bits in advance, so you don't have to go through and write down all the hours. You don't have to write half hours. You don't have to write increments. You can, but you don't have to. Right now, we're just getting this really big picture look because I think most people have chunks of day that fall into set categories. So while I talk, you can just go through your day as I go through mine and draw in these blocks and the times, making notes of time at the points where things change. So you might have, you know, 6 a.m. wake up, and then you might have a block that shows 6 to 9, you do this. Or yours might be 6 to 6.30, you do this, and then 6.30 to 8, you do this. So you can make your blocks however you need to without worrying about putting all those lines in to start with. So for me, I can look at my typical day and see that if I get up at my regular time, Then my first three hours after waking, immediately after waking, involve a combination of two hours of work and one hour interspersed into that time that includes, don't laugh, it includes showering, making lunches for both kids, making breakfast for both kids, getting both kids out the door and taking one to school and then driving back home and walking the dog. And luckily, that's not really a walk. There's not a whole lot of time involved in that one. So that's three hours of morning. They have different start times, different schedules. Those things happen in and around the two hours of work. Those three hours have one cup of coffee. It used to be two, but now it's only one. And those three hours have really set time markers. I know that at a certain exact time, I need to do this, or I need to get someone up, or I need to do this. Very specific times in this three-hour block every single day. Back home again, I make another cup of coffee. While it brews, I might unload the dishwasher if I didn't already do that while one kid's bagel was toasting. And then I'm back at my desk and I work for the next 5.3 to five and a half hours. If I'm being really committed to my current system and balance, I stop at that point. I race out the door to go for my 30-minute walk before my pickup. So that next 1.2 hours holds my walk, pickup, drive back home, and another really quick dog walk. Pee, Mima, pee. That's basically how it goes. Pee, Mima, pee. So on my hypothetical timeline, I've only blocked off three sections of a day. Three hours of morning, five and a half of work, and 1.2 after that. That's a pretty large chunk of day. I've used up 9.5 hours of my waking time now. And for the next one to two hours, I'm back at work. So 11 and a half hours used. Now remember, I've got 17.5 in my example. That's what's available in a day. So then I need to make everyone dinner, and typically that involves multiple meals, no judgments there, but they're also simple and basic, not fancy. So let's factor in another half hour to get everyone fed, and that could be more or less. That could definitely push to an hour, but we'll go with a half hour. And maybe in between there, I manage the three to five minutes to play HQ while I'm waiting for the water to boil or the oven timer to go off. So 12 hours of my day gone. My timeline is filling up. Big blocks of time that are completely structured, not flexible. They do have little bits and pieces inside of them that I can use when I'm sitting and waiting. I might play a game. Yeah. So my timeline is filling up. Big blocks of time that are completely structured. So now we're in the evening. It's after dinner. I'm tired. But really, I've got at least five hours left in the day. Maybe five and a half. But the last half hour is generally the hour of crashing. So we'll say five. Five hours. Five free hours. Five free hours. And at this point, really, these hours are mine. They really are free. And when I say it out loud or look at it on paper, five hours sounds like a lot. 
It is a lot. That's a big span of time. Think about it. If you were wishing for a certain day, you might wish for five hours of free time. So it really is a big span of time. And I think if I wasn't so, so tired, so mentally tired by that point in the day, it would really feel like a lot more time. But as it is, it goes quickly, goes really quickly. That's my time to fit everything in. My daily drawing, Scrabble, Instagram, taking care of certain things at home, talking with my kids, another dog walk, watching TV. You know, all these things happen in the same span of time, five hours. And in that five hours, I admit, I sometimes spend another one to two of those hours at my computer. So we're down to maybe three to three and a half hours left, three to three and a half hours. And I haven't done anything creative in my day, no art time. And I am typically drop dead tired at this point. Mostly it's mentally tired. On average, I would say I spend at least two hours on a drawing every day, sometimes more, sometimes much more. There have been periods where I was spending most of this five hours maybe three to four. Overall, I think really sometimes I'm sitting with drawing as a task for several hours, but really not actively drawing that whole time. Sometimes I think it stretches out longer than it seems. Sometimes it takes me a while to start. I have to find a photo, which oftentimes takes me forever. And there are Scrabble games I check on. I tend to worry when I look at the clock and realize it's nine o'clock and I haven't actually drawn anything. That's really the benchmark. So from 9 to 11, pretty routinely, that's my block of time to draw. So I draw. With five hours to navigate, it sounds like there's a lot of wiggle room, but I don't feel it. I don't feel it. And adding in even one more project a day has been hard. It's been difficult. Hasn't gone great to try and do that. Five hours sounds like a lot. How much did you end up with? Maybe you had more, maybe you had less. Maybe you have more requirements or obligations in the evening. Maybe you have less. Your time probably pans out differently in the day than mine. And maybe you don't have a big chunk of time like I do. Maybe you have an hour here and an hour there that might be free differently. But by mapping time, I can see where that chunk is. I can see it. And I know how quickly that chunk goes. Knowing that that's my window of time, I could go in now and make another timeline and really hone in on the increments of time and see what I'm doing in there and see if there's any way to eke out another small creative window. Or if there's a little slot in there where I do want to use a timer to really force myself to do something else and put my phone away and do something else. Use that time to move projects forward or try new things or meet other goals. Nighttime's not always the greatest for this kind of really structuring, though. It's not, but we work with what we have, so it's what I have. I think ultimately knowing the structure of your time is really the key to either restructuring what you want to do or making peace with what you are doing or making small changes, cutting out time wasters, turning notifications off, putting your phone away, leaving it in the other room, setting a timer, all these things you could try. It's tricky though. It's tricky for me. It's tricky for you. For me, my day and my responsibilities are so cut and dried that I have to say, I really don't want to feel like I'm scheduling my evenings. I really don't. I might try a timer for one thing, but that's probably it. I don't want timer-driven blocks. I don't want my evening to be really, really locked in. Things are tight enough. We all need wiggle room and we need downtime. We need times when we can just relax. So I know that I will draw. And when possible, I draw start to finish. So I'm okay with the other couple of hours I spend with however it works out in there. 
the system I have right now, it's rewarding for me. It works. It makes me happy. It's probably the most balanced I've ever been. Evenings really are a counterbalance to the rest of my day. And that's become my schedule. I can see that it works for me. I really can. I'd like more. I would like more. I'd like lots more. But I can see that this works. I can draw out my day and see the major sections, work and morning, work and afternoon, work, dinner, and then TV and drawing. My days are absolutely that easy to distill. That's a little unnerving. It is. It's a little unnerving. But you know what? I like it. It fits me. I do wish I wasn't quite so tired. I wish I could do a little bit more. Maybe I should be a little bit faster. I don't know. But it works. What I'm doing right now works. And that's really the important part of this. I'm efficient at other parts of the day. And I have managed to build that walk into my day. That was not there before this year. Something I did not think I could fit in. I did not think I could do it. So I really have created a space I didn't even know I had. Looking at my timeline, I'm not sure I can fit more in. But I think it's really helpful to see the flow to the days. To know what dominates your day. What things you could change and what things you can't change. Maybe there are places you can get better at focusing or be more efficient. You might have other routine things, lunch, for example, or a commute or dinner out. Part of what you're looking for is when you create. And if you don't have that section as a block, then you're looking for where that can happen. So look at your routine. What actually happens? What has to happen? What pockets of time are yours? What pockets of time are occupied but leave you with time that you could use differently? If you're someone that sits and waits a lot, for example, are you using that time? If it turns out that you have more time than you think, then how are you using it? What can you learn by doing this? What personal insight can you find? Sometimes shifting something or changing the order of tasks or the sequence, that can make a difference. Stack a few things in a different order and you might find that you free up a different pocket of time or try and do a 15 minute creative thing earlier in the day so that you're sure you get it in, especially if you really struggle with getting it in. It all starts with looking at the timeline of an average day for you. And it's a good exercise. I did this one in words out loud without giving you concrete hourly markers. You don't really need to know my wake up time, but you can still hear how hours get spent by the actual task of living. So I hope you did it on paper along with me or else do it on paper after you turn this off. Write out the hours, what you do in those blocks of time between morning and night, waking and sleeping. Where are you fitting things in that you keep saying you want to do more of? Are you fitting them in at all? Are they just not there? And that's probably the case in which you really, really want to try and block off time and say, this is going to be when I try to do this. You can do this for weekend days too, or non-work days. Weekends are different for many people and different at different points in your life. I remember when weekends felt much harder and more difficult than work days, but that's not true for me now. So I am pretty casual when I talk about weekends because that really is my downtime. I really, really need these times. They're unstructured and they're spent at home. It's, we don't go anywhere. We don't do anything. Weekends are the place where I really need to look at how time disappears. Maybe, maybe. For example, yesterday I was taking my notes and I realized that I'd been up for five hours at that point. And I didn't have a lot to show for it other than a bunch of words that I'd written, a to-do list that I jotted down, two cups of coffee and a shower. That was it. And I kept thinking, wow, how could that have been five hours? But it happens. Some things take time. And that's a huge thing to realize. 
Some things take time. It may be that the creative project you most enjoy takes a lot of time or that progress is slow, that it may just feel like you don't make headway because it is something that is slow to do. It may be that it just takes time. Other people may not understand that your things take time, but many of our creative projects are not 90 second bursts. Some of them are, and actually adding some of those is a great way to make you feel productive. But some of the things that we spend most of our creative time on just take time. And sometimes they occupy our minds and time just slips away. And doing something that occupies you that fully, I can only say that that's a good thing. But understanding the time it evolves, that's important too. The other thing about weekends is that depending on your situation, your mindset, your goals, the way your work week unfolds, or the way your school week unfolds for your kids, you may really need weekends to be free and unscheduled. I do. Some people are go, go, go on the weekends. They go all the way through the week and then go, go, go on the weekends. And that's just not me. And that might be you and it might not be you. There's not a set way to do it. For me, I could definitely probably crank things out differently because there is a lot of time in the weekends. But I just kind of need to let them happen. I make a list. I have some general goals, usually a podcast or two each weekend and my drawings. And time just kind of slides away. The timeline exercise was a really good one for me. It was helpful for me actually to see that really the chunks of time are occupied. I can see the scant hours available. And I hadn't thought about it that way. I know my structure. I know my schedule. But I hadn't really thought about it that way and really realized that it's on paper. It's pretty clear what's going on. It made me feel better. It made me feel like I shouldn't feel so bad about not getting more done. There are dozens of other details that do get fit into those hours, things that I have to take care of. We all do. We fit things into those routine times. And yes, I do spend time popping in and out of Facebook and Instagram. I try to check in each day at Sketchy. Those bits of connection are really valuable to me. I don't work in an office. I don't take an official lunch. I don't have water cooler breaks. I don't have dinner out. I don't have moms meet up for a book club. I don't have things like that or I don't do things like that. So the bits of time that I do allocate to social media, you know, that's a lifeline. And a lot of people talk about how they really need to rein in their social media and all their time online and I'm not doing all those other things, which would take real world time. So I am kind of okay with my balance there. It may look like I am online doing those things a great deal, and I am okay with it. The pragmatic part of me says that I just can't fit more in. Not really. I outlined eight or nine hours of work. Some days it's a little more. That's true. Many days it's a little more. Most days I'm sitting at my desk in work mode for more than that. Seeing it all break out, it was good. I see the realities. And they they sadden me a little bit, yes, but they don't surprise me. It's a good exercise. But be gentle with yourself. It can be really hard to see in concrete terms what's going on with your time, especially if most of your time is going to work and work is not your creative stuff. So that can be hard. It can be a lot to swallow and face. So be gentle with yourself. 
not everything can be changed. Seeing it though, it's the first step to accepting it and then finding ways to work within your blocks. Finding ways to be really proud of what you do fit in. Always, I hope you find the thing you most love to do, which I feel like I've done. I hope you find the thing you most love to do so that when you fit it into your one hour or two hours or three hours or 30 minutes or 15 minutes, that you're happy you did it. I do always hope that. If you have more disposable time, time that is yours to dictate, you may find that better tracking how you use time for a few days will give you a better picture of what's going on. You can keep a little chart over a few days and see how your timeline breaks out. Are there things that are routine that you're not thinking about? Are there ways to structure things differently? Are there ways to free up pockets? If you feel like your days don't have a routine or a flow, then definitely that kind of tracking over a few days or a week or even two weeks can really help you highlight what patterns do exist. You probably have patterns even if you don't think you do. Maybe you always spend the first two hours with coffee or your journal or social media, or maybe you go to the gym at a set time each day. If you are chauffeuring to school and events, there are markers that fragment and segment and block off your day. So definitely tracking over a few days is something I highly recommend. I am the art. The art is me. So that is it for episode 310. I am again going to stop here, cut things off a little bit because there's another part to this and a little more to talk about. And in the time since I actually recorded and I'm closing out this show, I think I could have said some things differently or more obscurely or more privately. And I may not have even seen my own time happen in exactly the same way this week. So there is plenty of room for variability and things change and things happen and you have to be flexible with that. So there's more to talk about and we'll pick up again in the next show. As always, I'm Amy and you can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. The show notes are available on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidless. You can find me at Instagram as oamy, 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 oamy. And I am the same person at Sketchy, oamy, oamy. So I hope you will check me out and find me and connect in one of those places if you are an Instagram user or a Sketchy artist. Thank you to those of you who support the show in any way. I definitely am struggling with the fact that every method I try involves a loss due to fees, but I appreciate the support from all of you. And to those of you at Patreon, a special thank you. You can learn more about Patreon at patreon.com slash creativity matters. Until next time, which will be sooner than you think, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. And I'll say have a great week, but like I said, you will hear me sooner than that. You are going to get a cluster of shows, I think, all at once. So pace yourself, but enjoy. Enjoy.